0: What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guaraní Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are Federico Pérez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, I mean, we could talk about stuff that's going on in the field of play, everything that's going on with uh, the players going on um, and their controversy, but we do have something to show, and I think this is something that we have, you know, mentioned it on social media a couple days ago, actually, literally after Our show last week is that we are charted on Apple Podcasts in Paraguay, now in Argentina, the United States. Guys, it is a remarkable achievement that we are doing right now of rising up in the charts and doing what we love and seeing the recognition. You know, I I was we were happy to see that our podcast actually hit number one in the charts in Paraguay for the sports and the soccer podcast at one point. Um, we are now charting, of course, now in the United States and in Argentina in the soccer podcast genre, which is huge. So I just want to say, you know, I'm really happy of everything that we've been doing here. And I hope that we can continue to success, you know, heading on into the future months. So let's continue going at it and continue to talking about what we love. So let's go straight to the motherland, Pere Perez, who I'm pretty sure is a happy man after the news that we got last week.
1: Yes, I am really happy. Hi, Roberto. Uh, just amazed by those numbers. Just amazed by that stat that you threw at us last week. We posted also on our Twitter account. Just got, saw all the reaction also from the people getting happy about our situation, about uh, all the people that are hearing this podcast weekly. Some people coming in every week just to find out what we're doing. What are these crazy people talking about? In their English podcast, we talk about Paraguayan football. We talk about this small little country in South America that has great soccer players, great football players, and just an awesome league also that's about to come to an end. Libertad has it wrapped around. around. You know, they just got to put a bow on it next week, and they only need a tie now after uh, these last games that were played. And we're obviously going to talk about Libertadores. we got so much ahead of us. we got uh, Alvin Roja talk also because the national team will be playing soon. Oh, it's that kind of time around, right? Where everything just gets cut up between the end of the season and a beginning of something new also. I'm just so excited about everything. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Maria. Hi, Rob. Hi, everyone.
0: Well, Maria, I mean, I'll go to you on this one. It's a good point that we that we mentioned, and we're definitely going to talk about it. I, I think, obviously, looking at the two teams in the Copa Libertadores de and Central and Olympia, you know, they, they had such a rough week last time around when we spoke about them, but now they turned it around and now they're still with a chance to qualify to the round of 16.
2: Hey guys, what's up? What's, how, what's going on? Super happy as well about our charting and how we're doing. And I uh, just wanted to say before everything, thank you for listening once more and continue sharing and uh, and tell your friends, or your family. If you are listening to us and you like us, you know, spread the word out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our, our teams are looking better. I'm kind of uh, surprised that they uh, were able to turn it around. Especially Cerro, you know, they're doing better. They have a good opportunity to, to continue into the next phase. Um, Olympia is looking a little bit more um, in a tighter situation. You know, they're 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 kind of depending on other. The, on themselves and other uh, results, but other than that, uh, yeah, and, you know, the, now that the league is also finishing, you know, they can focus more on this competition, and um, later on as well, we'll have, you know, some breaks, we'll do international, they'll do international breaks, so they'll have some time to breathe and, and, and focus, uh, hopefully, both of them, both Olympia um, and Cerro continue on um, in the Libertadores, but, yeah, uh, we're almost there, guys. Uh, I want to know how Raf feels about uh, our our chart, our, our our podcast growing in in the world. Actually,
3: <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Like Maria says, thank you, everybody for listening. That's that's how we managed to get there. I was super surprised, being an English language podcast, that we were so big in Paraguay. You know, there's that many people looking for content in English, so. I'm very pleased about that. Proud of kind of what we've been doing here and people really are listening in Paraguay because last week we were talking about Cerro Porteño not getting any penalties and now they got two and two games. So somebody is listening. I don't know. I want I don't want to say we're influencing referees, but definitely, you know, some things some things happening there because Cerro to go from no penalties to two and two games. Is something crazy. And yes, um, there's been a lot of a lot to talk about kind of redemption for both Cerro and Olimpia in and, and Libertadores. And then Libertad keep going strong in in the league. And really, like like Fede was saying, it's is basically theirs now. Um the scenario would be that Nacional need to win their last two games and Libertad need to lose the last two games, which based on this season would be you know, it would be very, very unlikely. So I'm sure we'll, we'll go into that and start start trying to work out, you know, what did Garnero do to, to fix it? Because at the beginning of the season and the beginning of these podcasts, I remember we we had a lot of, lots of doubts about him. And maybe we were thinking more it could be Cerro or even at one point Guaireña were, we're very close. We were thinking of being the, the winners, which saved Fede, of course, from having to walk all the way to Villarrica. <laughs>
0: Definitely. I, I think it's certainly we're saving the steps for Fede for another time. Hopefully another surprise can happen in a future tournament. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we're getting into the tail end of the season. I think we are, you know, ready to almost put a bow onto it and decide a champion. Obviously, Lira is coming in at a tight schedule. And of course, the World Cup qualifiers and the Copa America is beginning in a couple of weeks as well. I mean, Paraguay are playing two huge historical giants uh, in June. Obviously we'll be talking about that as Eduardo Berizzo will be making his list. Of players that are going to be called up and certainly of course you can tune into what any vision as we will preview those teams preview the games that they have and of course heading into the copa america which of course will be a monumental tournament for paraguay if they're able to do something so let's go straight into what happened in the copa Libertadores, like ralph had mentioned and talk about first the game i think probably the more dramatic one of them all is obviously Olympia's win in the altitude of bolivia Two to one to Always Ready. A goal from Walter Gonzalez gave Olympia the lead early on in the 23rd minute. Before Always Ready tied from Rodrigo Ram- uh, Ramayo in the 42nd minute. But then in the 93rd minute, Alejandro Silva comes in for the winning goal that gives Olympia now a glimmer of a hope for them to qualify to not just the Copa Libertadores but even the Suamericana. They're still up there, and you know, Ralph, good will you on this one first because. I think Olympia needed that game. I think they needed a result like that in order to demonstrate that kind of I think the word that had been used a lot was mística because I think Olympia have that tradition of getting these type of results in the Copa Libertadores when everyone is doubting them in situations like this, you know, they kind of remember their history. And of course, things happen on the pitch as well. Obviously, we'll talk about that. But I think Olympia really came into this game and really understood what they're meant to, what what they are, like what their their history is, their tradition, and getting that result in altitude at La Paz was um, the result of
3: it. Yeah, I mean, a historic win, they haven't won very often in La Paz. I think, you know, the last time you had to go back to the, maybe it was the 80s or something, um, is, you know, it's obviously very difficult with altitude, and then even harder if you think of this Olympia team that that is quite experienced. You know, it's, it's some older players there, so having to run around it with with a lack of oxygen is probably even a, a harder task. Always ready themselves are a very experienced and kind of savvy side. We saw they had beaten Internacional at home, so you know they they knew they. They had the capability, let's say, to, to try and beat Olympia. They even took Olympia very close in the, you know, in the home game, uh, well, the home game for Olympia. So I think when that equalizer comes, more than anything, from Always Ready, you worried for Olympia and you thought, oh no, maybe this is going to happen again. You know, although they took the lead through a very good cross by Iván Torres to the Walter uh, Walter Gonzalez header. Then, you know, they start to sit back and obviously the altitude is taking his toll, always ready score and he thought, uh-oh, this is this is happening again. Um, but then what does Orteman do, which I think, you know, maybe gets it right in, in this time, is at halftime he brought on Ale Silva. So Ale Silva hadn't started. He had kind of let Ordeman down, if, if you remember in their in the game um, where he got sent off, in the I think in the opening Libertadores game, if I'm right. Against Tachira, right? <laughs> here got sent off. So now, you know, he's he's giving him another chance and kind of relying on him. And then later in the game, he brings on Camacho, Néstor Camacho for Recalde. Uh, Recalde, who I thought did a really good job in terms of just running around and, and putting himself about in that, you know, in that scenario. And then ultimately it's Camacho and Silva the Subs the, the combine for the goal because Camacho's the one who, who ends up setting up Silva and, and he gets this very, very late equaliser, which, you know, just thinking about it at that point, you assume almost Olympia playing for a draw. They're just trying to get out of the place with a point, you know, get back to to kind of comfort. Um, but they managed to dig in and they managed to get it. And it's like you say, Robert, it's kind of mystic. You know, it's they didn't really win on footballing merit they kind of just dug deep and found the goal and found the result when they when they most needed to and as luck would have it for them tachira beat Internacional in venezuela so now the whole group is balanced they're all on six points and it's like wow you know after losing 6-1 to Internacional and looking like you are out of of any competition but Libertadores to americana suddenly you're technically joint top because you've all got six points so a real turnaround in fortune. And now it's, it's up to them this week in the, in the home game against international to see if they can keep that, keep that going, keep that run going.
0: Definitely. I think it'll obviously be a very tight game. And, you know, Maria, I'll go to you on this one, because I think for them to get that result and to get the revenge that happened to them last week um, well, two weeks ago uh, against international, I think that would be the perfect statement. And obviously I, I think, it would now, even including yourself, because I know you've been doubting Orteman at all throughout the season ever since he came in, surely if he's able to get a result against Internationale, that's going to change a lot of people's mind and the perception on Orteman.
2: Well, yeah, and I think that's, I know it's going to sound a little harsh, but I think that's the least he can do because, you know, you come into this this team that, It's such a a big team nationally in in Paraguay in this competition as well, in the the Libertadores. And to not even go to the second phase of of this competition will be a huge um, disappointment for for, for Orteman and and for the, the team, for the fans, for everyone. So yeah, um, he has to get this win. He has to continue on this competition um, as far as he can. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, like I said, as far as he can, he gets to maybe you know uh, semifinals. I don't know, but um, I don't. I, I think that he 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 needs to realize that um, this competition is is probably his big. Um, Test his biggest test as of right now, because obviously the league is gone for him, and um, yeah, it, it it's kind of harsh um, because he came in a little later into the game. Um, he doesn't have a lot of uh, experience, and you and we and we could see that right now. We could see that his experience as a coach was not there, and and that way, and, and for that reason, the league was suffered. Um, so with. This competition is kind of like his only salvation if he doesn't uh, continue. In my opinion, um, I know it sounds a little harsh, but you know, you're a coach. You're if you're gonna take this big, um, this big job, then you know you have to know what the consequences are and are, and, and you have to know what the expectations are as well.
1: Olympia's in transition. You got to calm down, Maria. You got to enjoy the moment. They won a game. This was a huge game for them. If not, they were out of Libertadores. It was over for them. And they actually pulled it out. What was it? Ralph said it. 93rd minute. I was. I can't believe it. They actually scored a goal in the altitude that far, that far in, in, in the match. I mean, that's even crazier, right, just to win over there. It's so hard to breathe up there. All the players were talking about it after the game. Actually, all athletes here in Paraguay, when they have to go and play over there, that's the only thing they talk about. They don't talk about the Bolivian teams because Bolivian teams are weak. They uh, they, 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 don't do much in, in Libertadores. That's the truth. And they laughed at Olympia in the preview. Uh, and who's laughing, at, who's laughing now after this game? I mean, Olympia should be happy that they got this win. And I think they need to build up from this. I mean, they need something in that locker room because up until now, it was probably just a funeral in there. I mean, everybody getting criticized from the coach, of the players. I mean, things were, weren't looking good for them, really. And I think they got something on their way now, at least with these three points that they got in La Paz. They can, you know, still think about Libertadores, but they can still look for a chance in Sudamericana also. Which just was something that was not on the on the map if they didn't win that game in La Paz. Because now they have to go against the toughest team in the group again. They have to go against the Brazilians. They have to go against the team that that, that looked them uh, the worst over there. And. Uh, they're going to have to show their best game. This is where they're going to have to really show up and, and show the world that they're still in it in Libertadores. If not, they're going to have to manage their way to get into Sudamericana. That's what I think, because this group is very tight Roberto right now.
0: Absolutely. And I think, obviously, when you get a performance like this, you always feel confident in the, into the next game. Um, and certainly, like I said, I think if they're able to get a result, at you know, obviously playing at home at Para Uno, um, you know, It sucks that they don't have that kind of fan support that usually helps them in these games like this that, you know, they need that support to, you know, to get motivated and that kind of stuff, especially given the rival, I think now is the time where they really show what they're meant for. I mean, yes. But you mentioned transition period, but you have to also remember, this is Olympia we're talking about. This is a side that has three Lierta orders to its name. Yes, it has fallen on different times, uh, on hard times in the competition, you know, for a while. But they need—they still need to remind themselves who they are and why they have those three stars on their badge. You know, that, that's my personal yeah. opinion. I don't know.
1: No, no, I'm totally, I totally get you. and Obviously, they do have to try to get their, themselves into the next uh, uh, group phase, but they have to be realistic also. If they don't have the level to play this Libertadores, if they, if they can't play against the Brazilian team, then they have nothing to do uh, to get themselves out of, uh, out of the group phase. They have nothing to do in, in, in the last stages. So I think their, their best strategy maybe is to look at the Sudamericana they might get a good chance over there and the the team that might be here in the second half of the year might be a totally different team for Olympia also just because of what you're hearing from the president even uh, just that all the players are being tested evaluated in these last games just to see if they keep playing in Olympia Uh, we talked about the budget cut that they're going to do halfway this year also uh, on the last episode and I think there was a lot of the pressure also from the fans before the preview of the game we're talking about Mystica we're talking about all these things after they won the game, but in the preview, it was uh, it was really intense, and it was not uh, at all friendly from the fans uh, towards the players, you know, they even went to their houses and painted it on the walls, uh, kind of bothered their families, and some players were thinking even not to go to Bolivia because of that whole situation, so in the preview, it wasn't pretty for the players.
0: Oh, and then the pressure is there when you're playing at a big club like that, I mean, after, embar- after getting that embarrassment against Inter... They're going to get that pressure. And I think it's all about how they're able to go through that pressure. And certainly they will be under pressure in this game against Inter because they know that their future will depend on this game, whether or not it will be in Lira Thaardis or Suamericano, which I agree for that. I think they do have a chance in that competition. If they really get them straightened up, they're really able to get reinforcements that help them compete. Then I think they can really make a dent into that competition or they go out and they have to remain uh focused on the leagues, uh, and obviously Coba Paraguay and other tournaments like that.
1: After after what we saw against this Inter last week, does anybody here think that Olympia is gonna beat them this week again? Like, to be uh, honest, I mean it, it looks really bad for them again. I mean, this inter side looked way too strong for Olympia.
3: It, it's a tight it group, un, it looks unlikely, side. but then inter have lost their two away games, which is which is very interesting. Although I think I think for Olympia, they must feel they're almost guaranteed to Americana now because always ready play two away games. You would assume they pick up zero points. Internacional could well pick up six points. They could beat Olympia and then, like we say, they'll be always ready at home. So the game, really important game is going to be that last one against Tachira. But it's kind of going to be, if we beat Tachira, maybe we sneak into the second spot. Because we'll both have nine points again, assuming Tachira win their home game now against Always Ready and Olympia have lost to Internacional. So, even this Internacional, some of the pressure's off in that it will all pretty much boil down to the Tachira match the, the week after. And Olympia now, looking at the league, they don't really need to fight the league. So, at the, uh, the weekend coming, you know, I know we're going like really far ahead now in a few games, but even at the weekend coming, they don't need to field a full team. They can like really focus on Libertadores these next two games. But I think it's that Tachira game at home. So not this week, the week after that's going to be the key one.
0: Definitely. I think it will be a very interesting game. I think certainly they want to go out and get the results against (laughs) Internacional because after what happened, they want to go out and make a statement. But yeah, I agree. I think there are scenarios that do favor them in that sense. Um, But we'll just have to wait and see. I think we definitely have to, if we're able to see that same Olympia that we saw last week in La Paz, Perhaps they can get something against International. Is it possible? I would say so, but it'll be very tough, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. The, the,
1: the team in La Paz wasn't that good either, guys. I mean, uh, I think they struggled a lot against uh, always ready. I mean, I don't think olivia actually evolved in the way they're playing. I don't think uh, Orteman really found solutions in La Paz that he can use for this Inter game. Uh, I, I think Olympia is trying to build game by game and Orteman is giving everybody chances to show themselves uh, on the stage, he, even in the tournament, uh, in the local tournament, because he mixed it up again for this last game against Nacional right before playing against Inter de Porto Alegre. So uh, I, I think Orteman is kind of lost right now in, in what players to use and what strategy to, strategy to
0: play just because he doesn't know what performance he's going to get out of these players sometimes. Yeah, absolutely it's it's a weird situation to be in but you know you have to go out there and get the results especially in tournaments like this there's no other way i think switching gears to obviously another team that went to their game after suffering defeat in Brazil, it was Cedro Porteño. And, Ralph, you know, he had mentioned this in the preview as well or in the, in the intro how Cedro was a team that was not getting any penalties. Well, they got one penalty from Claudio Aquino, who scored the winner and gave Cedro Porteño three points. And depending, of course, we saw the result of Atlético Mineiro defeating América de Cali uh, the following day. And, fed I'll go to you on this one. It, it put Cedro in a good spot Now that, you know, heading into another tight game where they also want to find revenge after losing in Brazil, they go at La Nova Nova against Atlético Mineiro. Their team is, of course, rested. We saw on the weekend, Cedro fielded a very young side. A lot of players made their debuts for Cedro Porteño. Chiqui Arce is really looking into this game as to, like, they really want to secure qualification for the Liga Towers and, of course, get revenge after what happened to Mineiro.
1: Yeah, that's why they rested so many players, right? The, the, the rotation finally happened. I mean, uh, especially because Cerro Porteño kind of uh, put their arms down after what happened last week against Nacional, that match where uh, we talked that Chiquiazzi was really mad about the refs, And so this week, it was a totally different story for the local tournament, just thinking about Libertadores this game against Mineiro. Mineiro also a very attacking team. We saw what they have up front, and that's going to be really hard for Cerro Porteño's defense to stop. Uh, I hope they have a good game back there, Uh, especially Juan Patino and Alexis Duarte are going to have to be on their edge. They're going to have to be on their toes because they're going to have to run a lot. They're going to have to stop, stop the toughest team in this group. Uh, but I do think that what, what Cerro has is, is a really good midfield and uh, obviously their strikers are really good right now. Uh, Morales is, is scoring and scoring. He played half of the game against River in the local tournament just so he could rest some time also to be in this game where he'll probably we'll probably see him with Boselli. I think uh, Chiki has made up his mind after what he's seen in these last couple of games. He's gonna play with two forwards. I hope he does play with two forwards. Uh, against Atletico Mineiro just because of the situation that Roberto's talking about. If Cerro Porteño win this game, they're practically there, right? They, they qualify to the next round. So this is the game for them. It's, it's a home game. Why wait for that last game in the group in, in this stage? I mean, uh, just try to get the win now. Uh, try to get some revenge from this Brazilian side and, and also make the statement like, like you guys were saying before uh, in Libertadores, which this team I think can make especially if they're rested now. Uh, They play so well away, and and they have played pretty decent also uh, at home, but I think they've been so smart playing away just in that that Brazilian game they had uh, against Benito just made a couple of mistakes that cost them too much, and then it got away from them. I hope that doesn't happen again. I hope they can stay in the game and and really make it a fight and and get something out of this, but I I think Cerro Porteño right now is a team that's looking... Uh, really well, uh, and especially if they get enough rest, I think we're going to see all the energy out of that midfield, which is very important. Pica Lucena and Vita Santi. And I I actually think, and I'm putting my credit on this week on Cerro Porteño, on getting their qualification against Yeah I'm going for them this week.
3: I wonder if, if they can win, but if they get a point, then I can pretty much see them through assuming that la guaira don't beat America de cali which is which is reasonable to expect I mean la guaira struggled against cerro in that game to score they they didn't score across the two games against cerro they created lots of chances they have more possession but but they're just not very clinical or efficient um I think you know their coach farias has them quite organized but just they don't really have that cutting edge at this level and and cerro once they they were well, not lucky. I think it was a penalty. But I mean, they may be fortunate that they scored kind of early on in the first half. And then they didn't have to go like nervy into the second half. Like, oh, it's this like, wider team again. Like, can we break them down? I mean, they didn't score from open play, right? It was a penalty. But at least I think that goal would have settled the nerves. And then they felt, you know, this is just our game to to see out now and, and suck up anything La like, I have, which isn't much. Very different game, like Fede is saying against, against Mineiro, because Atletico Mineiro is like, how do you stop Hulk? <laughs> because they couldn't stop him in that first game, right? He was too powerful for uh, for Duarte. Um, <clears throat> but I do agree that there were a couple... They scored very early on at home, and they scored just on the stroke of half time. So just as Cerro might have felt, you know, 1-0, we can go into the second half looking for something... They found themselves 2 zero down, and then they kind of collapse uh, in belo horizonte. So, again, you know, if, if they can see out those opening that opening period a bit better against Atlético Mineiro, they, they could be in a good position, definitely to, to pick up a point, which could be enough.
2: I just wanted to add before uh, you close on this the, something important that uh, that I see and I've been uh, reading as well about Cerro is uh, how Chiki Arce likes to bet on the, on the younger kids. Um, so he's definitely looking at the future. He knows that, that the younger generation is important to, to, to develop the club. Um, and he actually did an interview uh, about their last game in the league uh, when they, they tied, um, I believe it was 1-1 uh, to, uh, to River. And um, you know, he's like he says, I see Cerro having so much future. So this is why he put most of the the, the team, uh, the younger, the younger players. So that's something important that I think um, is Cerro needs to continue doing and, and Chiqui Arce uh, l- loves doing that and, and he's very smart to do that. So if they are going to continue in the competition, they have a good chance to, to continue because they have this, uh, kind of, uh, power and, and, in and betting in the younger and the younger players. Yeah. He has
1: his formula. He has his formula. I don't know if they're going to hold him, his word to it. I mean, it's really hard to stay here a couple of years and be the manager of these big teams if you don't get the results, but he, he has shown the way. I mean. This totally took them out of their plan. I mean, Cerro's plan before the pandemic was not to bet on the young players. They were actually hiring, and they were wasting a lot of money, and they actually still have a lot of debts due to that situation. And and we'll see if they don't actually have to sell that many players. But the good thing is that they're working really well right now, Roberto, and they have that alternative squad that when they play – when they get the chance, you see that they're ready for it. That they're back. That they're going to back up the starting team. Just when everybody thinks that Cerro only has eleven players, no, no, they actually have a backup team. Just that it's a young team, and you're going to have to give them time.
0: And
3: certainly,
1: yeah.
0: It, yeah go ahead, Ralph.
3: No, I was just going to say Maria's right about this being Chiquiás's philosophy. I mean, it goes actually back to Rubio New, which was his first club that he took over as a as a coach. And at Rubio New, he teamed up with some of the other guys from. You know, from his former playing days, like uh, uh, Carlos Camarra, like Ruiz Diaz, they, they had this policy of we want to build up players. And part of the idea was to sell them because, you know, Rubio is a, is a small club, so it's a selling club. But they built that idea and they built that system and, and it's something he's carried through. And I think with, you know, with Cerro Porteño, are we right in saying Junior Alonso, he gave him his debut? Yep, and now right. Junior Alonso is coming back for this game as as captain in, I think he's almost captain or, or one of the rotating captains of Atletico Mineiro and he's coming back, you know, as that. So that's the kind of process that that Arce has always been doing, not just this year, but, you know, since the beginning of his of his management career.
0: And then definitely has proved, as we've seen over the years with Arce as manager, that, you know, he likes to you know, not risk, but definitely promote these youngsters. We see it now in the team that's currently playing in the first team. We see it in the alternative team that tied River Plate over the weekend, and it's a good formula, and it works that way. That assuming that Cerro Porteño would qualify to the latter to the latter stages of the Copa Libertadores, heading into the next year, next season, obviously with the Clausura with the Copa Paraguay happening, that allows them to, or at least it allows Chiki to manage the squad much better and, and try to focus on what works for whatever game. And it's good to have that kind of um, depth where they can you know mix around and that kind of stuff. Um, obviously don't experiment, but I, I think certainly he is understanding of how these youngsters work and how they are ready to take that opportunity because they want to see what those youngsters that are on the team right now on the first team they want to fight for that spot as well and so that that provides more motivation and more competition um which is a good thing for certain personally i think i I don't know
1: i don't know why we're talking that this is chiquiasa's formula Like, like he has the magic solution to everything this this should be like how it this is how it should be actually right i mean all teams should work well in their youth leagues should have players ready but it's just not what happened lately here in paraguay i mean most teams have uh Putting a lot of money into big transfers, have brought in players from other countries. I mean, Emmanuel york came here just not too long ago, right? I mean, uh, obviously, before the whole pandemic situation, uh, I, I think the idea of a lot of uh, a lot of teams was to waste a lot of money. Now they're not getting that much income, so they have to look at their young players. I mean, go back to the roots,
0: even maybe. And and Cedro, in a way, kind of benefited from that because it allowed them to. Focus on the philosophy and their history that they've always been that like obviously to compete and to get the best players as well, but also to remember they're a club that are promoting talent. And you look at we talk about Junior Alonso; he's a byproduct of that. He come he came from the Centro Porteño Academy. He debuted under GKR, and now you look at him, like you said, Ralph, and he's one of the best players, not just at Atlético Mineiro, but all of Brazil and South America. So it makes it makes sense that something like that works, and hopefully, you know when things do go, if they do go tough against Atletico Mineiro, that the kids that were playing on the weekend are ready to take that opportunity uh, heading into the next future game. So it will be definitely two fun games for both Olimpia and Cerro if they're able to control their destiny and their future in the competitions in South America. So definitely can't wait to see. We will switch gears a little bit uh, for just a small bit to talk about what happened in the league. I think obviously we are basically ready to mention that Libertad that are going to win the 2020 Apertura, I think, the 2021 Apertura. I think they have finally demonstrated that kind of depth and precision to get results when they need it and to take advantage of those type of results. Um, But, yeah, I mean, unless anyone has any – if anyone wants to be a naysayer and say that Nacional could indeed go for it i think it's i think we're unanimous and say libertad are going to win the league uh, uh
1: libertad's not going to lose both games i mean that's what needs to happen right uh, that's that's why that's why it looks kind of impossible especially because they're playing so well now i mean if, if we were talking about the libertad that started start of the tournament maybe yeah because we were all, all, all we were all doubting about that team but right now they 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 swept by Guarani. I mean, I was waiting something else from Guarani. Where's that strong midfield that Guarani showed us last year? I mean, they have nothing. They had nothing against this this Libertad. I mean, they, they really took care of it easily. I, I was actually waiting for a fight. I was waiting for for Guarani to be the big judge, and they were actually the easiest teams, the easiest team for the Libertad in these last couple of weeks. Uh, I was I was really surprised, shocked by by Guarani's level, but even more so of, of Libertad stepping it up and, and, and getting uh, more into Garnero mode. I mean, I, I see Libertad playing now, and I see a Garnero team, you know, like we saw in Guarani, like we saw in Olympia sometime, uh, a team that treats the, wall, the ball really well, uh, a team that's very attacking, and he put some players, and he injected something to some players that are just in a totally different level. Bogarin is one of them. Uh, Torres, uh, 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 Ivan Pires uh, is also another one of them that wasn't probably even in the agenda. He had told him to leave the club and look at him playing this big game against Guarani. Uh, Tacuara Cardoso, uh, I'm amazed what he's been doing also. Julio Enciso, and I could just go on and on about how many good players we saw from Libertad in this tournament in these first months of the year. Um, I, I think it's all on, on Garnero's uh, side because they, they they had to pick them up after they got out of the Libertadores, Rob.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Garnero did something very well when they got knocked out to the Libertadores. Well, I think he's done two things that has kind of brought them to this title. One is, after the Libertadores, he said, or he must have said to Cardoso, Oscar Cardoso and to Christian Cristian Javier Valles, he said, you two are going to win me the league. Because those guys have played the most Minutes in the apertura Felibertad Libertad, and they played zero minutes in Su Americana. He hasn't even used those two guys in Su Americana. So he's obviously said, "You two are experienced players, I need one of you, you know, in attack." And Cardoso is joint top scorer as we're recording, and then Bias is, of course, a central defender, very experienced player, played in in Mexico and Argentina, all over, and and he's kind of said, "Guys, you need to, you know, like drag us through there." But then another thing he did, which we spoke a lot about this in the early episodes at the beginning of the season, was we couldn't find like, the creative spark, the midfield, something wasn't working. So I've been researching a bit about Livetac because I'm going to write uh, an article about them. And I'll give you a really interesting stat. So Bogarin, who we're talking about, is playing very well. He's played, he started 12 games in Apertura this, this season. The first six games, he played with Merlini. And Libertad averaged 1.1 points from those games. The last six games he, he's started has been without Merlini and it's either been with Barreiro or Tito Vialba. They've averaged 2.6 points. Basically, they've won five, drawn one of those last six. So the Merlini-Bogarin situation wasn't working for him. He had to sacrifice one. He sacrificed Melini, and it's been the right choice because Bogarin's playing well, but also bringing in those players like Barreiro and, and Vialba who are so quick. Also, moving Enciso farther up the pitch, if you remember, he tried Julio Enciso kind of as a winger or as a midfielder. Now he's playing up at the top with Cardoso. You know, that's really helped um, his system and the and the teams improved much more. And yeah, definitely, I mean, worthy champions. I think it's safe to call them champions. I can't see them. I really can't see them losing against Sol this week. And even if they did lose against Sol, I can't see them losing their final game of the season as well. It would be very strange, so... Great, great season for for Nireta.
1: But let's say, we also have to say Maria that Olympia and Cerro Porteño practic- practically handed to him on these last couple of weeks. I mean, they didn't do much to to give their, to give it a fight. It was only Nacional who who got this, this last score, but it looks like they're gonna fall short also.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think they kind of just both gave up and decided to focus on other things you know, Libertadores, which is uh, pretty, pretty big. And um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what happened because they were so close. Uh, 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 you know, I don't know where it comes Nacional and, and, and now they're on you know the top of the table again. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's, it's just this crazy thing in this league, like this, Drunkness that I don't know where it comes from, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Libertad. I I, I think they um, definitely deserve it. Like you guys are saying, um, I think the majority of the second part of the league, they stayed in the in the top in, in, in the in the first place of the table. So that's something really uh, admirable to do, especially after the the disappointment that they had in the Libertadores. Um, but, yeah, I, um, other than that, uh, congratulations. Uh, I know it's not in stone yet, but they're definitely uh, seconds away from from, from winning the, the league.
0: Right in pole position to win it. Another title for Libertad, another title for Daniel Ganero, winning it on three different teams now with Libertad, Guarani, and Olimpia. A great achievement for that not a lot of coaches have done, actually, in recent times. So it's a remarkable uh, uh, achievement for Garnero to do. So credit to them and credit to Libertad.
1: They say in Europe it's the
0: Pep Guardiola era. Here in Paraguay <laughs> it's clearly
1: the Daniel Garnero era.
0: <laughs> Love it. Um, before we do end our show, we do have to mention, and that's actually a good debate that we're going to have about this. Um, obviously the World Cup qualifiers are going to come in about a few weeks. Obviously Eduardo Berizzo, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, has to make his list as we see there are two rivals with Brazil and Uruguay, obviously two powerhouses of world football, not just in South America. But this is going to be very interesting to see who comes up. And Fede, I'm going to go to you on this one first because I know that you had been the debate, and we kept, we're going to keep on the that connection because there is a name that you had mentioned that couldn't or want you want to see on this list for the call-ups. Why don't you give it away and see that we who we can talk about.
1: Yeah, I, I would actually love to see a lot of young players in this national team, just that it's not what Berizzo has done lately. I mean, I, I would have liked the, the national team to be full of young players, to be honest. I mean, that would have been my plan if, as as a coach that was getting here in, to Paraguay. But uh, getting on Berizzo's mind, I mean, he called up Richard Ortiz for, for a Copa America. He got injured, he couldn't play. He called up Roque Santa Cruz for that same Copa America. He didn't want to play he was injured also whatever he didn't play that copa america so he looks at the experienced players and i'm looking into this paraguayan league which i follow every weekend and i look at the talent that we have up front and what's the what's the place that this national team the alba roja really needs right now a striker so i look at all the strikers that we have right now and i really see oscar Tacuara cardoso playing his ass out i mean uh, to be honest i mean i've never seen him run this match ever since he got here to Paraguay. This guy's running everybody. He's pressuring. He's being a leader uh, for this Libertad. Like Rafa was saying, he's been playing all the the league games and he's really making a difference in this Libertad. And physically, I see him just perfect. I mean, he ends up every game 100%. He has no trouble. He's not that old. A lot of people, I was telling you guys this off the air, a lot of people put him on that old generation, a lot of the players that are retiring, he's not that old. He, he came really quick, uh, still young, I believe, even to Paraguay because he has a couple of stuff that he wants to do here in Paraguay because he didn't play in the first division before going to Europe. So that was still on his mind. And I think he can still do a lot of things for the national team, especially in the locker room. We, when we, we, all, we talk a lot about the leaders, the positive leaders, and I think that Guara Cardoso, what he's done also in Libertad, has become that leader in the locker room. And I think he can take that to the national team and he's a top scorer. He can, he can give you a lot of goals. Also, he can give you a hand. I'm not saying he's going to be the starting forward for the national team again, because I I do think there's a couple of players that could, that could get that spot. I mean, that's still open, but I would love to see Oscar Tacuara Cardoso in that Copa America uh, squad. I, I don't know, maybe in these two games also, just that there's a lot of strategy behind it all because of the, Two tough teams that we're going to play against but my name out there is Oscar Tacuara Cardoso I just I've loved him in this tournament and and I, I, maybe maybe I'll be really happy if he's on the list
0: well I mean I think it's it's interesting that you say that because I think you had mentioned the top rivals in Brazil and Uruguay that is a good argument to have because obviously you need to have players that have played these type of matches that know what they're like. So it it makes sense in a way, but at the same time you have that doubt, is he good enough at that age? Is he able to, you know, be that super sub if he has to, you know, when the Brazil defense or the Uruguayan defense is laying low, that's the thing. And I think that's going to be a debate that a lot of people want to talk about.
3: He's, he's the Paraguayan that's played best in Europe or that scored the most goals in Europe, right? So I think that's something definitely in his favor. And, and with the, comparing him to Roque, it is different because if people remember Roque Santa Cruz's career has been, he's had a long list of injuries. He's always suffered with injuries. So getting to this age now for Roque has been much harder as a player than, than for Taquara, who's, you know, who's had a few injuries, but nothing is as serious. So in that sense, okay, he's he's maybe better. He's better suited to coming to these eliminatorias than maybe Roque was for the last Copa America. Like Fede mentioned, he got called up and and didn't go in the end. So I could agree there. But, I mean, my doubt still with Taquare is he's never been a player that's kind of shone in the national team for, for, you know, for whatever reason. He's always had those, those difficult situations. He's never been like a a player that you always bank on for the national team. If it was me, I'd be going the other way with Libertad. And I'd go for the one of the younger players, not the not the older one. And I'm looking at this kid, Julio Enciso, who's been, I mean, on fire recently. I think Julio Enciso kind of came in, almost in midfield, but then they've seen, okay, no, he's just a lightning quick striker. He's really technical. He's very exciting. And he could be against Brazil or... Uruguay they won't know much about this kid I mean they throw him in there and he starts running at players I you know I don't know if they'd they'd necessarily know how to handle him I haven't checked out the the Uruguay squad but it's probably the same squad it has been for the last 10 years so he's going to be running at those center backs who are quite old now I mean oh that was I would be excited to see Julio and Cesar so I'll, I'll go totally the other way instead of really experienced throwing that that kind of La Jolla and see what happens, uh, you know, he could he could just do something crazy. Again, off the bench, by the way. I'm, I'm with Fede on this. I don't think either of these players would be starting is, is to throw off the bench and, and see what they can do it towards the end of the game.
0: I, I think certainly having that spark would be great. And like you'd mentioned, um, Ralph, yeah, you know, Uruguay still have the likes of Godin. They still have the likes of Martin Cases, Jose, uh, Jose Maria Jimenez. You know, obviously we know the experience of players like Suarez up front. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Musled and Goal, you know, getting that little spark that you might need in Montevideo, uh, maybe in Enciso can do that. Maybe Daquara can do that as well, if possible. And Maria, you know, I, I think as well, I'd like to hear your player that you'd like to see on um, Paraguay. I, I think you do need to, in a way, because yes, it is a vital, both vital games. I, I think certainly they are possibly the hardest combos that you can have, at least to start the year before heading into the Copa America, which of course Paraguay have to play Uruguay afterwards. But for a game like this, if you're going to go for the youngsters, you know, you really need to get the best of the best. So I'm curious to think what you feel would be a great addition to this Paraguay squad that we haven't seen or, or would like to get, would get that uh, opportunity.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm, I kind of I, I was thinking about what uh, Fede was saying, and it, he doesn't have a bad uh, a bad point about uh, Taquara. You know, he's he's only thirty seven. Um, yeah, in in like regular years, it sounds young. Uh, maybe in in the football year, the sports world sounds um, a little older. But um, it, it he could be, you know, Taquara could be. You know, he has the experience. He's been to Europe. He's He's been to major competitions um, and uh, with the the national team as well. So he could be that kind of uh, leader in the team, um, possibly captain. I'm not sure if he has been captain in in Paraguay yet, Um, but he could be that kind of player for these younger uh, generations, for this younger, if, if, you know, uh, the the team does decide to go on the younger side and get mostly younger players. um, he could be that guy that you know uh, motivates them, gives them the experience, uh, is there for the team because you need that. and right now the the captains that we have, um, yeah they're they're good captains, but we need someone with with spirit and we know that um, that Taquara is, yeah, Gomez, you know he's a great captain. Um, I'm not saying that he's not, but uh, I'm just saying that, you know, we need uh people. We need players that have that spirit of 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 let's go, keep going, guys. Uh, uh you know, um, someone like Taquara. So yeah, in that sense, I I agree uh with Feather. But um, I guess it kind of also got me thinking about some players that uh, I've seen uh, uh playing this season and 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 going with the same kind of route of of the older generation. I, I thought of Richard Ortiz, and and you know we haven't seen him in the team uh, in a while. I believe it's been um, two, maybe three years that he hasn't played with the national team. Um, so maybe he could be someone that 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 can also bring in that uh, experience into the into the national team as well. He's he's playing well. He's playing well with Olympia right now. He's had um, uh, good games that he kind of comes and saves the team, like I've mentioned before. So in that sense, um, I think he could be a good thing to bring in again, uh, come back into the, to the team. And another one um, that I, uh, I think uh, could be a good addition again would be uh, Tito Villalba, you know, staying in the Libertad uh, side. Tito Villalba has been uh, playing well. You know, he came back from, from the MLS, uh, and, and and playing now with Libertad, he's really shining. And, you know, he's he's young. He's not that young anymore, but he's also experienced. So in that sense, um, those two players, I think, could really be a good addition, um, aside from the regular players that we're always seeing coming back to the national team.
3: Maria, you must have remembered Richard Ortiz's debut with the Albi Roca. I was at that game back in 2011. It was a World Cup qualifier against Uruguay he had he was playing left back if you guys remember he started his career as a left back he was marking Cavani that day had a had a really tough like first 20 minutes then got into the game but Paraguay were losing 1-0 until the very last minute and Ortiz on his debut from a corner like a scruffy goal turns the ball in and scores so I guess you're hoping for he repeats history 10 years later with that with that call up.
0: That uh, certainly would be a, a monumental way to to get a result over there in Montevideo. I mean, certainly get the ones that you remember and certainly Ortiz knows how to score against Uruguay and so might as well go for it. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I think um, even with Tito Villalba as well, you know, I think it's great that he's really shown his consistency. You know, he also suffered from an injury as well that really set him back. And now he has been such a vital player for this Libertad side that is going to be the champion of the Apertura. I think um, it would be great to see him on this give another chance for the Paraguay national team. But I will give one more name that I think would be very interesting to see. I know this name is in this position. There are a ton of players in that position. But I think because of what he was able to achieve at such a young age for the Cerro Porteño side, being one of the best players there, being one of the best young players there, I think Alexis Duarte needs a chance on this team as well. I think I've been so impressed by the way that he's so consistent, so cool. You know, he's just there to fight for it. I mean, yes, it's going to be difficult to see how he's going to break that Junior Alonso, Gomez, Valbuena, Alderete, you know, all those center backs that um, Paraguay have at the moment. But I think given the recognition and given the experience that he's had, he should definitely be on the squad. Maybe as a sub, maybe as someone that could definitely go in and you know try to, You know, if he has the opportunity to, to mark a Suarez or a, or a Neymar or whatever it may be, I, I think he's up for it. I, I think he can really do it. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, um, but certainly Pulpito, as we like to call him, uh, the, the, the octopus, definitely needs that chance on the national team.
3: Big game against me, Atletico Mineiro then, because he suffered last time against Hulk. I mean, he's. I agree with you that he's been a revelation. He's been a great defender for Cerro Porteño. But that, get, that I remember that last game against Minero. It, it was hard for him against someone as big as physical as Hulk. So then, thinking uh, let's think as Suarez, Luis Suarez. Wow, that that's tough. So let's see if he can redeem himself on on Wednesday, and then I then I'll like throw my my chips behind you as well, Roberto, for I think Hulk Peter. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you,
1: Roberto, and Ralph, you guys are thinking about the next two World Cups. I'm thinking about the World Cup that's coming up next year. I want to play next year. I want to go to the World Cup after not being in these last ones. You guys are projecting yourself for the next three, four World Cups. Yeah, we got talent. We got young talent. We're in the U.S. We're in the U.S. We're like waiting for
3: 2026. I want to play the
1: World Cup tomorrow. I want to play the Copa America tomorrow. I want to play these qualification Games that are coming up next month. You guys are way up ahead of yourselves.
0: Hey, hey, better to start them young, though. That's the thing. Might as well go in early and get the experience. That's what matters. Um, and I think that's, hey, if you could do it against these games, that's going to help you a ton in the, in the future matches. So we'll definitely, and like I said, we will definitely talk about these games that are coming up in the next few weeks. Obviously, Copa America happening next month. Definitely excited. And obviously, tune in as well to everything that we're doing here at Any Vision. And, you know, again, another great episode as always, guys, really appreciate it. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hannah, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.